Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say, so there will always be others that see it differently, and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. He would harm me even though he knew I was pregnant and just before he was arrested, he actually kicked me in the stomach. You know, often after I've given a presentation... I'm approached by members of the audience asking all types of questions and sometimes they share or often uh, they share some very private and personal information with me. Today's guest did exactly that, but it was her courage in sharing her story that really struck me. I left this particular function that night thinking about what goes on in people's lives that we've just got no idea about. You know, there's good things, bad things, incredible things, sad and happy things. Uh, You know, what some people have endured and what they've witnessed and experienced. Yes, everyone's got a story, but George's story touched me deeply. How could this beautiful, attractive young woman with this huge, gorgeous smile in front of me have found the strength to get out of bed each morning? How could she have put one foot in front of the other? How could she ever have managed anything after experiencing what she had? 
George's life turned upside down one day when she came home to find her house seemingly ransacked and her ex or husband at the time missing and uncontactable. When he did arrive home hours later, his behaviour was really bizarre. He looked really pale, he was really stressed and he refused to speak with her or tell her where he'd been. That day turned her life completely around into chaos, disbelief, shock and bewilderment at the very least. As I said, I walked away from our short conversation, and I'm talking minutes (laughs) that night, wondering how and where people find strength to deal with the shock of learning the very person you've trusted and loved isn't the person you thought they were. So thanks for your time today, Georgia, and for showing enormous courage in sharing your story with us. But um, as you've said today and a number of times, it's a story that you want to share, don't you? Yes, I do. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Narelle. Um, it's, yeah, it's been quite the journey, but I'm excited to be able to finally talk about it. Now, that's a lie. You're not excited because no, you actually nervous. said to me before you were very nervous. <laughs> so nervous. <laughs> I'm pretending. What do they say about, well, you, you know, pretending to be confident? And it, uh, apparently it's supposed to make you confident. Oh, no. Well, you're doing very well so oh, far. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, and I understand you You have wanted uh, to tell your story for a long time and it does take a lot of courage. And even that night where I spoke to you, uh, I could see it was difficult and it is a very, very difficult story to tell, but you want to give other people strength, don't you? You want to give them courage to not... Um, oh, what would you call it? To not, um, to not say something. You've got to say something. It gives you strength, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was a pretty traumatic two years for me, and I think that if I just, you know, don't tell the story, don't tell people what happened, don't share the information um, and what I learned from it, then it's kind of all for nothing. Um, yeah, so I think that it's yeah. imp- important to talk about it, important to talk about the challenges. Yeah, and uh, I understand and the listeners will understand as we go through, it is very, very difficult to talk about. Yeah. And um, anyway, so so I suppose from the start, could you paint a picture for us of life prior to that day when your world came crashing down? Yeah, so... Um as you mentioned, this story involves my ex-husband, now ex-husband. Uh, I guess we met when I was 18 years old. He was about 21 years old, so he's a little bit older than me. Um, we met at a pub in the southeast, southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, he was in the Defence Force, so the early days of our relationship were long distance. He travelled a lot for work. Uh, eventually, once I'd finished my university degree, I moved up into Sydney to live with him Um, and I guess early days everything was pretty great we were in love we were young Um, he had a had a great career and I was working towards a great career so everything was initially pretty great Uh, when we did move in together though which was probably two years into the relationship things got pretty bad pretty quickly Um, he was very controlling Um, he actually became physically abusive pretty quickly. Um, 
And being away from my family who are in Melbourne and away from all of my friends, I didn't really have anyone to turn to to talk about it. Uh, I'd taken a massive leap of faith um, with the relationship to move to Sydney and, uh, you know, I was 19 when I did it. So I think it was pretty confronting um, to have taken that leap and then for it to go badly so quickly, yeah. Um, Georgia, Georgia, why did why did it go so bad so quickly? Was there something that happened, or uh, did I, you- I actually can't pinpoint a single moment where it did go so badly. Um, I think the first incidents of violence that occurred was actually the day that we moved in together. Um, oh, God, which God. was. Yeah, very confronting. Um, And as I said, it only got worse from there. He, being in the Defence Force, I think he often blamed his behaviour and his stress on his job and his career. Um, And I think that it's just a a lot of people from the Defence Force tend to have a pretty toxic attitude towards women in general um, and this sense of bravado, I guess, as well, that kind of makes them seem like they're untouchable, like they can do no wrong. Um, and I think, yeah, that was a, that was probably a massive part of it as well. But Georgia, can can we go back a little bit? Uh, you said then that the first day that you moved in, mm. uh, the violence started. How bad was the violence on that first occasion? Um, I think Not that, I'm is, sorry, that sounds wrong, no, doesn't it? It doesn't have to be bad. Violence is bad, but can you tell us about? The vo- explain to us what happened? Yeah, and I think this is one of the hardest questions I've come across, to be honest with you, Narelle, during my, my journey, is um, kind of, you know, putting words around how severe the violence is and how severe it needs to be to be deemed, you know, severe domestic violence and how yes. severe it needs to be in order for it to, there to be any repercussions and things like that. Um, yeah, it's one of the hardest questions I think I've had to answer. Um, but in regards to that first incidence, um, I can explain a little bit about it to you. So uh, we were unpacking boxes in our new apartment and I'd said something which frustrated him and he picked up a shoe from one of the boxes and threw it at my head. Um, so, yeah, that was the first incident of violence. Wow. That happened. Yeah. Uh, and that, and as I said, I've got to apologise, you're, you're right, there is um, – Violence is violence, whether it's uh, serious or minor, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But to throw a shoe at your partner's head, that's just not, I don't know, um, giving you a little push or yeah. swearing at you or something mm. like that. That's pretty, that's a from, you know, naught to, you know, 100 really, mm. isn't it? Yeah, and and as I said, to be honest with you, Narelle, I'm still, I guess, confused about kind of um, putting words around the degree of violence because for many years he would downplay it, he would twist things, he would tell me um, that what he had, what I was saying he had done wasn't at all what had happened. Um, so I, I think I still have quite a lot of confusion around it, um, which I yeah, think is probably yeah. pretty common. Yeah, and and when he did throw the shoe at you, what was your reaction on that day, if you can remember? I was pretty devastated, obviously, um, pretty shocked. Mm. Um, but he kind of was was very good at just like uh, passing it off like it was nothing, and he would snap for he would snap and then 
30 seconds later, I'd be totally fine and normal again. Um, so yep. it was, yep. yeah, it was confusing, I guess. Yeah, really confusing. Yeah. Mm. And also just um, going back even further, you said that you were doing a degree at uni. Mm. What was the degree that you were doing and what was the career that you were hoping to have? Yeah, so I had just finished a uh, commerce degree. And then once I'd finished that commerce degree, I moved to Sydney and I started a graduate job up there uh, in accounting. Sorry. Yep. Okay. All right. And so we go back to the, you move in with mm-hmm. your ex-husband at the time he was your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was the physical abuse yeah. and you um, and I think you've mentioned before to me that he also cheated on you and his coercive controlling behaviours were, you know, pretty bad. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a bit about that? Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a blur, to be honest with you. Um, it, his behaviour got significantly worse over time. He was away while we lived in Sydney for a period of about nine months. Um, and that was really lonely for me and really isolating. Um, we would often have phone calls just to keep in touch and he would miss the phone calls when we'd, you know, book time in, say that I was too needy, say that, you know, other people's girlfriends didn't need so much attention. Why was I such hard work? Uh, If I wasn't coping with the lifestyle of being somewhat like a defence partner, then I, he could find someone better in three seconds, things like that. So it was really, um, it was really quite toxic um, during that period. Yeah. yeah, And, and very demeaning and, and, and degrading. Mm. And, and what I hear from what you're saying, that is very, very typical Mm. of uh, coercive control where they turn everything onto, onto you, on, you know, that it's your fault that you've made me like this. No one else is like this. No other girlfriends, you know, need me like, you know, all that sort of uh, behaviour. And that's when you've just moved in. Yeah, so that was probably the two the two years that we lived in Sydney together. Yeah, that was all during that period. Uh, and then eventually we came back to Melbourne. And as I said, things probably escalated pretty significantly on our return to Melbourne. Uh, he had a pretty toxic relationship with his mother and stepfather. They um, didn't really like me, I suppose, for various reasons. Um, And so his mother would often tell him, you know, it's me or her, things like that. And he he would blame me for that, um, for that kind of language that she would use. He would often get violent with me and punish me for things that they would say. And, you know, the things that they would do to him and he would say it was my fault and that it was never an issue before he met me and things like that. So it probably got significantly worse. The violence definitely increased um, and it actually got to a point where we, when we got engaged, they turned around and said that they didn't support the engagement, that it had happened too quickly. We'd been together for six years but they said it had happened too quickly. They wanted the engagement party to happen at a venue of their choice um, when we said no because I had an elderly grandmother and it wasn't didn't have disabled access. They said that it was because I thought my family was better than him, uh, the his, that, you know, we had more money, we thought we were too good for them and stuff like that. And um, 
it actually led to, you know, him stopping talking to his mum altogether and he blamed me it, it for sounds- that. It sounds like, well, sorry, I don't mean to sound like this, but of course he would. He seems to have blamed you for everything, yeah. uh, which I think is is very typical. But tell me about, it seems to me that his mum not taking anything away, like he sounds mm. like he was awful, but yeah. sorry, I mean, I know you're engaged to him, but, <laughs> but um, his mum sounds very controlling. She was, yes. Mm. She... Yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of difficulties in his childhood. His mum left his father when he was only two years old and sort of just disappeared with no explanation and got together with his stepfather. They were able to, him and his brother were able to see their biological father every second weekend for a period, but then um, his mother cut off all contact with the father his elder brother actually chose to live with his father. So he didn't see his father or his brother for about 10 years. And his mum heavily relied on him to provide for her. We would have to buy her three to $400 birthday gifts and Mother's Day gifts and take her out and spoil her because she almost confused him into believing that she was someone he had to protect and look after. So it was, yeah, it was a pretty toxic and confusing relationship. Um, And then coming in as a partner was, yeah, just added an extra challenging dimension to that, I think. Yeah. Mm. So he, but, but really not taking away, yes, it was a, you know, maybe a a, a difficult childhood, Mm. but that's unfortunately quite common. Yeah. You know, that parents uh, do break up and, you know, there's so many people in this world that have stepfathers or stepmothers or, you you know, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from, it it would have been difficult, but. um, Yeah. Yeah, but it's no excuse. It's no excuse. (laughs) And I agree with that. And um, yeah, you often see people who go through traumatic or challenging things and, it's, you know, you've, you've got to make the most of it, I think. I, can't, I don't think that it's acceptable to use it as an excuse for his behaviour, which, you know, he has done since. And you said that um, his violence was uh, becoming worse. Yes, can you tell us a worse. little bit? Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so there was... A, a lot of um, particularly confronting and escalating issues um, or, I guess, events. Um, he would – there was one occasion which I actually caught him uh, cheating on me and I called him out for it and we had quite a big argument on, about it. Uh, he turned it around, said that I just – was crazy basically, that I was controlling, that he hadn't done anything wrong, that if I didn't believe him, um, that was on me, that he hadn't done anything wrong. And he actually escalated so badly that he actually held me down on the bed um, and like my pillow, uh, sorry, a pillow into my face and hit me over the head, yeah, four or five times. That was, yeah, that was pretty scary. Um mm. And, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it was pretty scary. And there was another, uh, like, quite violent incident where he'd had a very big argument with his mum um, and he actually held a knife to my throat. So that was also pretty scary. Oh, yeah. I, I sort of feel a bit bad in a way getting you to relive this and if it does 
you know, if it gets too much, you just tell me. But I also think it we are painting a picture, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And I think by painting this picture that other people might see that slow progression, yeah. you know, from, as you say, from him, uh, you know, yelling at you and then throwing things at you. And now it's got to the point where he's putting pillows over your head and mm. he's putting knives to your throat. like. Mm. And that was, yeah, as I said, over a period of about six years, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And and so you, uh, the engagement, so did you eventually have an engagement? No, we, uh, re- like we ended up not having an engagement party because it was just too much hard work and I just couldn't be bothered really. I didn't, um, yeah, I just didn't want the arguing to continue and it was easier to not have one, so. Yeah. Then we, and, um, yeah, then yeah, we, sorry, sorry we yeah. ended up getting married um, and his parents did attend, but it was pretty awkward and uncomfortable and pretty stressful. Um, they refused to speak to anyone in my family and probably about a week after the wedding was the last time we spoke to them. Oh, really? Yes. So you haven't spoken to them in all those years and we will get to it, but mm. so all those years since that day you were married virtually. Basically, uh, you yes. have They haven't spoken to you? No, they have not spoken to me. Okay. Okay, so then in the scheme of things you're married Tell us about those first, you know, couple of years or couple of months. Yeah, so I never really told, well, no, I never told anyone about the violence or the emotional abuse that I was suffering. Um, So from the outside, I, I suppose we appeared like a really happy couple. We'd been married for two years. We had just purchased a home. Uh, I was pregnant with our first child. My family got along with him pretty well. Uh, We'd reconnected with his biological father and his brother. Everything from the outside assumed like, oh, well, appeared, I should say, like it was going pretty well. Uh, I was working on my career. He had um, left the military and had started a new career we, yeah, as I said, we had purchased our first home and, it, yeah, it was. It all seemed like it was going well. But yeah. what was actually going on, um, it had taken us a really long time to conceive, uh, I think, in hindsight. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But the toxic relationship and the abuse and the stress that I was under was probably the main reason why it took so long to conceive. He was also obsessed with having a male child to the extent that he would say to me that it was a boy or an abortion. That was the language he used. Um, When I did fall pregnant, there was a lot of incidents of violence where he uh, would harm me even though he knew I was pregnant. Um, And just before um, he was arrested, he actually kicked me in the stomach. That was in the week before he was arrested. Oh, Georgia. When you when you say I heard you hesitate a little bit there and yeah. again, if I if I'm delving somewhere you don't want to go, you tell me. No, that's okay. But you said that you were pregnant and yes. he harmed me. Yeah, so there was one incident where he pushed me to the ground of the kitchen when I was um pregnant. There was another incident where he pushed me into a shower screen door. Uh, there was another incident where he actually sprayed urine on me, which is pretty horrifying. Um, and then there was the incident, yeah, that when he kicked me in the stomach. Oh. Mm. How pregnant were you when he kicked? Not that it matters. You're pregnant, you're pregnant. But uh, how pregnant were you when he kicked you in the stomach? I would have been about 19 weeks, I think. <gasps> so pretty oh early days. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And, Georgia, with all these incidents that are happening, did you ever receive any uh, injuries, as in w- would anybody have seen, I don't know, say a bruise or something and ask if there was a- anything wrong or was that ever an issue? I think, honestly, the emotional toll was probably more obvious than the physical toll. I think there was a lot of times when people asked me what was wrong because I was you know, visibly distressed going to work Um, but after a period of time, like I would not, I I stopped seeing all my friends, um, mainly because he forced me to cut ties with a lot of them just because he didn't like them. He would make comments like that. He didn't like them. Then he convinced me that none of them liked me. Uh, and then he also caused a lot of issues, I suppose, emotionally with my family by telling me that they didn't love me, that they didn't want me around. So I sort of stopped seeing them to an extent as well. So I think, I think that probably people wouldn't have noticed is, yeah, is probably the easiest answer to that. Yeah. Uh, Now, Georgia, this is a difficult question for me to ask and I know why you stayed, Mm -hmm. but people that don't understand about coercive control and they've never been in that situation, 
I think the common question would be, why did you stay? And I know that's an offensive um, question to ask, but I'm not asking it for me because mm. I know why you stayed. Yes. But can you explain to the listeners out there that are thinking, you know, why did she marry him? Uh, mm-hmm. Why did she get pregnant to him? That is a, a, and I don't mean to be offensive to, you know, anyone out there or to you, but mm. it is a very, very typical question, isn't it? And I was yes. wondering how you felt if you could explain that um, a little. Now I feel guilty, uh, but back then I suppose the answer is that he convinced me that I didn't have another option. He told me that he had recordings of me reacting to his violence. So he said he would record videos of me when I was crying or if I yelled back at him. And he said that if I went to the police, he would show the police or he would show my family and prove that I was crazy and that I had mental health issues and that it was all lies, basically. But I guess as well, over a long period, he had convinced me that I had nowhere to go. He'd cut off all my friends. He had convinced me that my family didn't want anything to do with me. He had told me that no one else would ever love me, that I couldn't do any better than him. Um, But I think I have been asked this question a lot and I think the biggest amount of guilt I feel is conceiving a child with someone like that. Uh, and why, I guess the question was, why would you conceive a child with someone like that? And I think you sort of live in two worlds. Um, after a long, a long period of abuse like that, you have the world that you portray externally to your friends and your family. Uh, and the next logical step in that was that we were going to have a baby. Uh, and I know that sounds awful. It sounds selfish. Um, no, it doesn't. But no, it- no, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah, I, I still feel a lot of guilt around um, bringing a child into that. But luckily, I didn't. So, luckily, we yeah. got we got out before my son was born. So, yeah, mm. and, and I suppose uh, we might. Oh, just one other thing. Mm. Again, a bit of an awkward question. That's okay. Your husband was physically abusive. Yes. Was your hus- ex husband was he sexually abusive? No, no. I wouldn't say that he was sexually abusive. Uh, The only thing that he would really do was um, put pressure on me to perform certain acts that I wasn't comfortable with or didn't want to or put pressure on me to um, engage in sexual activity more than I wanted to. Yeah, okay, Mm -hmm. all right. Um, So I suppose let's... Uh, so, yeah, let's get to the day where mm-hmm. your world absolutely turned upside down. Can yes. you take us through that day? I can in a lot of detail because it is almost burned into my memory, unfortunately. Uh, I was 20 weeks pregnant on that day. I had an appointment at the Epworth to have a 20-week scan and this scan was a pretty big deal. We had found out about six weeks earlier that there was some health complications with my son and the 20-week scan was basically um, to find out whether those problems had resolved themselves or not, or resolved themselves or not, yep. And 
the scan went well, everything was really positive and I was going to be able to continue with the pregnancy. So that day was sort of like a hurdle in my pregnancy and it was supposed to be, you know, crossing into what was going to be a really positive second half of the pregnancy. Um, we, he dropped me off at work after the appointment and that was sort of the last I heard of him for the day. I had sent him a message from work at about lunchtime and I didn't hear back from him. I knew that he was working and that he was due home at about 8 p.m. from his job. And yeah, as I mentioned, I didn't hear from him all day and I sort of started to panic because I didn't really, it was unusual to the extent that we hadn't had an argument or anything. It was pretty common for him to go missing if we had had an argument. Uh, He would just refuse to respond or cut me off or just not come home or whatever. But it was pretty unusual that day because we'd received really good news and uh, there was no argument. So ironically, I actually sent him a message saying that I was starting to panic and did I need to contact the police? Where was he? Why wasn't he responding? And yeah, at about, I think it was probably 9.30 that night, um, I found out what had happened. But probably a few steps back, when I got home from work, my house was, um, it wasn't, it, it took me a while to register sort of after the fact what had happened, but I had had some packages delivered that day. They were cut open. There was all of the technology, like computers uh, and phones and iPads and things were missing. Uh, And there was just a few things that were, like a few weird things that were out of place in the house as well, uh, which I found really bizarre at the time, but it didn't really register what had happened. Um, Mm -hmm. Then he came home and it was, as I said, about 9.30, so it was later than what I had been expecting. I'd been expecting him at about 8 o'clock and his behaviour was really bizarre. Uh, He was really pale. He wouldn't look at me. He was really, really quiet um, and just acting really strangely. And I said to him, I asked him why he hadn't um, returned any of my calls and he had said, oh, I dropped my phone in the car park when I was dropping you off at work and I smashed it uh, and uh, I just couldn't get it fixed. And then I said to him, well, where is it? And he said, oh, I just, I left it at work because it was broken and I couldn't use it anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I, I knew he was lying. I knew there was something that he wasn't telling me. And, and so I continued to push him and I said, you know, you need, you need to tell me what's going on. And I kept asking questions about all of the, you know, the holes in his story. Um, and eventually he sat down on our bed and he said, come and sit next to me. I need to tell you something. And I just flat out refused. I said, I'm not sitting next to you. You need to tell me what's going on. And that's when he told me that he had been arrested on charges of child grooming. And, yeah, my whole world came crashing down, as you said. Mm. Um, it was it was pretty shocking. Um, I, I didn't really stop to ask a whole lot of questions. I just was just disgusted and I was horrified. Um, I packed a bag. I took off my wedding ring and left it on the wedding, uh, sorry, on the kitchen bench and I left. Um, I called his brother who lived around the corner and I told him, you know, the very limited information I had. I also called his best mate at the time who was a lawyer and told him what had happened and I went straight to my parents' house. 
Mm. Oh, boy, I, I just can't imagine. There's a lot of things that must have been going through your mind, but to actually find out or have your husband say that he'd been arrested on child grooming charges. Mm. Oh, my goodness. It was about one of the most horrifying things I think I've ever heard, yeah. 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 Did he try and explain himself out of it or? Yeah, so he tried to sell me the same line that he tried to sell everyone, including, uh, you know, the, the judge in his trial. He said that he knew that the two profile so he was arrested for using a carriage service to attempt to groom underage girls and he claimed that he knew that the two profiles that he was talking to were undercover police officers and he claimed that he had been continuing the conversation with them and attempting to meet up with one of them in person to prove that it was a ruse that was his claim right of of course yes right Yes, and that was what Pardon. he told everybody, yeah. including the mm. judge in his trial. That was his excuse. Pardon my sarcasm, but I'm sure, you know, most people listening will think the same, but that that excuse or that line has been used many, many times mm. and I'm afraid I get sick to bloody death of hearing about these pathetic excuses, Mm. pathetic. And what really horrifies me, Narelle, is that the two profiles that he was talking to were actually undercover police officers and he had been arrested under a task force, I think it was Jacket. But what scares me the most is how many times must he have previously done this for them to specifically target him? Yes, uh, there could be a lot of it. It it may have just been the the one. I don't know. I Mm. doubt it. I'm with you. I would think with my experience. It it doesn't seem likely that it was the first time he'd done it. No, and I doubt Mm. that it was. In fact, I would be very, very surprised. But just for the listeners, um, now I'm going to test myself here, (sighs) but Jacket, that is pretty serious stuff. Jacket is the joint anti- Child abuse team task J A C E T I think it mm-hmm. is, uh, but that is uh, with the the federal police. Correct. Uh, are they? You know, that's the the um, the task force would be under the federal police banner, but sometimes the federal police take some uh, Victorian police, or if they've got a job, let's say, in South Australia, they would um, have a couple of South Australian police come on board as well. Uh, It's all over a jacket of, you know, cover all of Australia, international actually. And I think there was was two task forces. There was jacket and socket. I'm not 100% sure, but I know they were working in conjunction to charge him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I would be very surprised if uh if it, yeah it, in fact I'd almost you know bear my bum in Burke Street if I thought if that was the uh, and nobody wants to see that oh it'd be um, great I'd be there <laughs> <laughs> don't tempt me um <laughs> so tell us about 
that night. Like, so you go to your parents' place mm. and you're 20 weeks pregnant. You have mm-hmm. had the scan that day. Yes. Yep. Oh, Georgia. I don't think that there's anything more horrifying that, than you can sit and tell your parents in their living room at 11 o'clock at night. I don't think, I, yeah, it was, I've blocked it out, to be honest with you. I don't really remember a whole lot of what happened after I left. Yeah. And I, I still didn't tell them about the history of abuse. I still did. I still couldn't bring myself to tell them. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So you told them that he'd been arrested on, on child grooming charges? Yes, I did. And yeah, then okay. his brother informed me that he had a hearing the next morning at 9am, which I actually attended because I, you know, wanted more information about what the hell was going on, I guess. Um, yeah. And I hadn't been contacted by the police, so I didn't really have any information about what had happened. What, so they just left and, oh, well, actually, no, you weren't at home, were you? I wasn't home when they arrested him and um, he came home on his own. He drove himself home. So if if I hadn't have gotten it out of him, I don't know if I would have found out that night. Yeah. Mm. You said in one of our conversations that you felt relief at him being arrested. Can you tell me about that? I think, as I mentioned earlier, he had spent so many years telling me that he had evidence that I was the problem, evidence that I had severe mental health issues, as he put it, that proved that the abuse that I had sustained was my fault. And I finally had counterproof that he was actually the issue. I could finally prove that um, he wasn't a monster, I guess. I could finally prove it. And as horrifying as it is, and he had actual, you know, real victims, um, but it me- it meant that I could escape. It meant that I could leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the emotions that you were going through, I think you said before you felt enormous guilt, but I imagine there were other emotions involved with the fact that your husband had, at the time, had been arrested mm-hmm. for child grooming. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's it's just horrifying. Like it's disgusting and it's horrifying. And to think that I lived in a house with that person, to think that he was doing it without my knowledge, and that's a question that I've been asked a lot: is did I know what he was doing? And that that sense of guilt, I think that should I have known what was going on? Um, should I have been able to report it earlier to protect the victims? Yeah, it's it's scary. It's just really scary to think that that was going on in a house that I lived in and I had absolutely no idea. But but generally, Georgia, people don't have any idea because it's something that people do in secret, in private. Yes. yeah. And I don't think many people would in a million years think that their husband, the father of their unborn child, would be grooming young girls Mm. on the internet. It it just wouldn't enter your head. No. Like, it's unthinkable. It is, yeah, unthinkable. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay, next week we talk about George's experience with the authorities and how she was treated. I did say before in this podcast that 
I know you know that I'm a huge advocate for policing and the difficult job that they do, but I'm also not going to hide from the fact that sometimes what they do is very inadequate and George's experience is, I think I used the word shameful and it's all I can say and that pains me to say that. But it was worse than I thought and I feel disillusioned in a way that family and domestic violence is still being viewed and treated as a bit of a nuisance, to be honest, in many respects. I would think we'll probably go to a third week because Georgia and I talk in depth about the plea that the judge considered by the defence and how the judge responded to that plea. Again, I feel we've gone one step forward and, I don't know, three or four back in our response to domestic and family violence. So until next week, thank you and take care. It's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A-T-R-E-O-N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.